What's going on, everybody? Welcome to Hangout in the Holy Land, Land Grant's flagship podcast. I'm your host, Josh Dooley, and with me riding shotgun, as always, is Chuck Holmes. It is great to be back after our one-week hiatus, a bye week if you will. My co-host and I were both a bit tied up last week, so we load-managed a little bit. But for those of you who did miss us, I would say blame Chuck. He will respond to each and every piece of hate mail. So he's willing to carry that burden using that as a runway. Chuck, what's up, man? How was the downtime? How's the 90-plus uh, degree weather in Columbus treating you all that good stuff? I'm going to be completely honest. If they missed us, they probably need to go get their heads checked long before they send emails to us. Because <laughs> frankly, <laughs> while I love you all, if you miss me or this guy, you're, you're in trouble in life. But, you know, I, I spent part of this time doing some uh, some hefty travel ball, travel baseball yep. in Indianapolis. It was a good time. It was about 108 degrees on the turf, which is always enjoyable. <laughs> but uh, boys played well. We had a good time, a lot of pool time, uh, a few beverages consumed. So a uh, good time had by all. Absolutely. What's funny is Chuck was doing the travel baseball. I was in Florida and it was like five degrees hotter here in Columbus, Ohio, where Chuck and I both live. So, you know, you go to Florida for a summer vacation and it's like 95 and sweltering where you left. So thought that was interesting. But, um, you know, as we are sort of entering the dog days of summer here, Chuck and I wanted to do another episode addressing and talking about our land grant theme of the week. So in case you were not in the in the no or aware tongue twister um land grant content is focusing on a different unique theme each and every week during the off season and honestly chuck i don't know about you but i like doing these theme pods the weekly theme is cheap easy content and that means that we are not force feeding listeners like a third recap of the 2023 nfl draft or like a fourth or fifth depth chart projection right like those things that we just naturally sort of hit on the most or hit on more often than not and sort of beat people over the head with these themes allow us i think to sort of go in any direction and really riff on past present or future stuff for lack of a better term would you agree yeah, anything to not repeat the same exact things that other sites that will not be named uh, are doing <laughs> is good for me, right? And and we've got plenty of time to talk about this stuff. Let's be honest. We're going to rehash uh, depth charts in August and then in September and then in October after a close yep. game and then after Michigan, win, lose, or draw for uh, playoff or bowls. So uh, I, I'm all for it. I, ours is the most creative. Uh, I love that this uh, this site and this podcast network does it this way because we're going to give the people something different, something a little easier on their ears, if you will. I hope so, and sometimes that means something that they don't want to hear or read. You know, I've been on that end plenty of times too. You know, I've had written pieces called out, I've had podcasts called out, but you know, we're we're just trying to do something and trying to shake it up because yeah, these summer months, especially when. You focus on football and basketball like this podcast tends to do. It's definitely slim pickings. But before we jump into this week's theme, which again is what if, I don't know if I brought that up in the intro, um, Chuck and I wanted to discuss one recent piece of news. This is a, a transaction, I guess, 
And that was Ohio State's hiring of former NFL head coach and offensive coordinator Joe Philbin. Now, Philbin was hired as an analyst to help with the Buckeyes offense, and we've not had a chance to discuss this since our last podcast. You know, he brings a ton of experience to Columbus. He was previously an offensive coordinator, a tight ends coach, an offensive line coach, and a head coach with both the Miami Dolphins and the Green Bay Packers. Now, he was an interim head coach with the Packers, but, you know, six of one, half dozen of another. The interesting thing here is that Philbin was Brian Hartline's head coach in Miami, and they have apparently maintained a good relationship. So, Chuck, I've got sort of nothing but good things to say about this hire, which, you know, we can get to, but what do you think of this move? I like it because... You know, I the first thing I thought and I was skeptical was this is an indictment on Justin Fry. But the more I really thought about it, I don't I don't believe that. Uh, and that was my concern. And if that truly is what it is, is they feel like they need offensive line coaching help. That's a problem. But I don't believe that. I think this is great because if you're going to have a first time offensive coordinator in the pressure cooker that is Ohio State football, you need hit. He needs help. Right. As talented as we think Brian Hartline is in the coaching ranks, he's going to need help for it to be somebody that has coached him, has been a head coach, has been an offensive coordinator, has developed game plans, but not called plays, has developed game plans and called plays. So obviously we don't know which one Brian Hartline is going to be. He can give him guidance through the week. And I think that's what this really is going to be. Right. This is going to be a Sunday to Thursday hire that just helps him get to the end of the week and then they can go execute because obviously he's not going to be on field as an analyst, but I'm, I'm, I'm very happy that they went and got somebody with this kind of experience. Uh, Ohio state has had the history of getting analysts that uh, I, I think I got hired as an analyst at one point. Uh, so uh, they, they just were bringing guys off the street. They're not, they were never like Alabama bringing in the, the latest and greatest uh, head coaching uh, flame out, if you will. But this guy brings, I mean, Joe Philbin has been in the game 40 years. He's been around the game recently enough that he can provide what today's football does for the team. Yeah. I mean, I think he's been around football longer than Brian Hartline has been alive. So that's a plus. <laughs> that could be plus. But, but, you know, I didn't even think about the Justin Fry component. I know you just sort of brought that up on a whim and you don't necessarily buy into that. But if you look at Philbin's background, he was an offensive line coach. If you look at some of the other coaches on this staff, you know, your guy, uh, the new tight ends coach, Keegan Bailey, new Whoa. coach. Whoa. Joe, <laughs> Joe Philbin has coached tight ends at the NFL level. And then obviously the ties and the relationship with Brian Harline. So he's definitely well-rounded. Um, you know, I, I don't think he's a threat to anyone's job. Not that I, I don't know that Ryan Day would do that. And I don't know that he wouldn't do that, which I know is, you know, sort of, kind of playing both sides, but you know, nobody has to worry about that in this situation, I guess. Like, you know, Philbin's not coming in as a one year guy to then backfill Brian Hartline if all goes wrong, or to backfill Justin Fry if all goes wrong. You know, that's probably the the position he would be suited for, I guess, but he hasn't been in the college game for a while. 
Uh, he hasn't recruited, and Justin Fry is still very young in his career. Ryan Day seemingly loves the guy, has given him more and more responsibilities, and brought him, you know, over from UCLA. So I'm with you. I don't think that that is part of this move at all, but it's just another layer that this guy has done some of or all of what three or four other coaches on this offensive staff have done um, or are, you know, they're new to right now. So I think it's a great move. And in my opinion, the more analysts, the better, you know, bringing in a guy like this with three decades of experience all over the offense and has the pre-existing relationships. It's a home run for me. You know, it's a 10 out of a 10. It is an absolute grand slam. It's not like, like you said, it's not like Alabama bringing in uh, a flame out head coach, but you do have to give them credit for a guy like Bill O'Brien, right? Who is a successful NFL head coach. And they bring him in almost immediately to be an offensive coordinator. This is not that. I don't think Joe Philbin's up at that level, but he's got, again, tons of experience and he has been in the game recently. So I do like it a lot. Uh, you know, that being said, Chuck, I'm ready to jump into some theme week content unless you've got anything else left on your boy Regis Philbin. <laughs> no, let, let's do it. I'm ready to blow their minds. Okay, cool. So Chuck and I came up with a handful of future what-ifs, and I got to give credit to Chuck. He did most of the content creation on this one, um, and we wanted to sort of take a different approach. I think that most people in general, naturally, when they think of what if, I think most people think of events or things in the past. I know that was certainly my angle. I've started to write some pieces that'll go up on the website this week. And I went, everything was based on the past, but Chuck wanted to look towards the future a little bit, get the crystal balls out and look at some potential what ifs that interest us the most. So we will probably keep this football centric, maybe save some time at the end for some uh, some questions. We've got some more from the listeners. But without further ado, we're going to jump right into the what ifs with our first one. Uh, and this was at the top of Chuck's list. Our first future what if that we want to talk about. What if Kyle McCord and or Devin Brown is or are not the answer or answers at quarterback. Chuck came up with this one. I'm just going to let him bat lead off here, but I, I do have to add one question or sort of pose this to Chuck. Were you thinking 2023 or beyond or both when you thought of this what if? It was both for sure, but 2023 is where we're at with this because they're not going to get a second shot. Like who gets a chance nobody gets a second chance to win a starting job anymore, right? If, if you fail, you're, you're just transfer these days. So it, it was for 2023. And I think if neither of them win, or win's the wrong word, if neither of them become a really, really good starting quarterback, Hey, this team is in trouble record-wise, right? This isn't uh, this isn't 2000 anymore. You can't win uh, with a running game and good defense unless that defense is just crazy good. And and that's a kind of a precursor to what we're, we're there, there's going to be a tie-in. Yeah, I'm not going to let you get away with that just yet. But like I I don't know that Ryan Day is going to be willing to just completely abandon 
making trying to make them good quarterbacks. So if it never happens, like the record wise, this team for Ohio State's expectations to me is in is in big trouble. And there's there's universities out there that would do backflips for an eight and four season. Uh, Ohio State people will get fired for eight and four seasons. So I I don't think it's a good thing if if one of them don't. I, I think I don't know that the team in 2023, with it so being so quarterback driven, can survive and be as good as they want it to be without that. Yeah, I mean, I tend to agree with that, but and again, we will get to the other piece of that. <clears throat> I I think that Ohio State can live and survive and compete in 2023 with a uh, an above average quarterback or you know a guy who is not a Heisman candidate. I don't know that they need Dwayne Haskins, Justin Fields, CJ Stroud to win 11 or 12 games. It'd be a hell of a lot harder. Don't get me wrong, but you know, if a guy I, I don't know what the stats are, but say Kyle McCord or Devin Brown takes over this position and they throw for 3,200 yards, 28 touchdowns, and nine picks. Like, yeah, but that's, I don't think that's not being a good quarterback, right? I think you're, you're, you're saying they're going to be 70 or 80% of CJ. And yeah, if they're that, I, I think there's still potential there. But if neither of them can think of this as a, uh, and, and Ohio State hasn't had this problem in a while. But think of this uh, back in like when Joe Bowserman was the quarterback and they finally turned it. Yeah, but think about like they could not get anybody to play quarterback competently, right? And and I think that's really like there's a scenario. We have not seen either of them be successful yet. Like what if uh, they're a 50% completion rate, guys, because they just can't they can't make the throws like then it's a completely like it, it's all bets are all in my opinion. So this to me sounds like you asking what if one of these guys is not a Ryan day quarterback? Cause what I know as a Ryan day quarterback is a really, really good quarterback. Right. So yeah, that definitely changes things up a little bit. Uh, I think a lot of that depends on the schedule And this year. It, it would be a big, a big steaming pile, you know what? Because the schedule this year is difficult. It's tough. So, yeah, if this is a a Bowserman esque sort of situation, then yeah, I think Ohio State is absolutely in trouble, regardless of how good the defense is, regardless of how good the running game is. Because again, the schedule—you're talking Penn State, Michigan, Wisconsin, a couple of new head coaches, or you know, coaches who have at least competed with Ohio State in the past, I think that that would be a a big, big problem. And I'll take it a step further. Um, What if one of these guys does not pan out? Then I think one or both of them moves on. Because to your point, you really only get one shot at this under Ryan Day because he's got another guy and another guy and another guy coming in to take your job or take the job that you could not... um, run with so there are huge implications if one or both of these guys does not hit the way that i think most people think they can you know i 
I don't I don't think both fail. Like I just based on what we've seen from Ryan Day and this staff, like if both of these guys fail to get the job done, I would be shocked. But at the same time, like nobody goes ten for ten. Like you're you're not you don't deserve a, a guy who's gonna hit just because of what you've done in the past. So we do need to prepare for that, right? Like I think it seems inevitable that one or two of these guys at some point will struggle. I hope I'm wrong, but I'm just sort of playing the odds. Um, I, I do think Ohio State gets the benefit of being a hundred deep at running back, but you know, and the playmakers are second to none. But you're talking about a new quarterback behind a primarily new offensive line, and that could ultimately spell some trouble if one or both of these guys does not really excel as the new Ohio State quarterback. Yeah, the the transfer portal transfer portal is littered with four and five stars that did not earn the starting job or stunk at their first school, right? And or their it, second or their third. Wasn't JT Daniels a yeah. five-star? And he's like on yeah. his ninth school? <laughs> Rice. Yeah, Rice doesn't even – they don't even have a dorm uh, as old as he is, I don't think. <laughs> but, like, one of them's going to leave at the end of this year anyway. Whoever doesn't get the quote-unquote job is gone. Now, whoever does, if they struggle, my guess is they don't keep it and the other guy will get the shot anyway. But say – Say Kyle McCord starts the year as the starting quarterback. That's what we believe, right? And he struggles, and they lose to Notre Dame, and they're just puttering along. They're winning 25 to 22, and they pull the trigger on the bye and go to Devin Brown, and he doesn't do anything either. And they end up 9 and 3, 8 and 4, and Aaron Nolan's coming in. Like, if Devin Brown didn't sees the job he's gone as well because guess what he can go to maryland or he can go to syracuse or wherever and not be challenged for the job whereas he's going to come back here and be the backup and have to earn it after having not earned it previously so so let me hit you with this a spontaneous what if based off of what your what if then what if lk47 lincoln kindholz is the answer he, he's coming from South Dakota, man. Like, he just didn't play big <laughs> enough ball. It's just not – that's not – I'm not saying he can't be the quarterback at Ohio State. He cannot be the quarterback at Ohio State until his third year in the program. There's just no way you can go from playing uh, whatever level of football is played in South Dakota to playing Big Ten football. And, and not just Big Ten football, but top two in the – like, making the playoff Big Ten football. That's just yeah. not that's that's not that's not realistic. Yeah, so shots fire at South Dakota. I, I love the South Dakotians. I think they're beautiful people. I'm not real sure what Chuck's angle is, but I do <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm sorry to all our fans. I'm sorry to all our fans in South Dakota. I still love you guys. Your high school football is just not up to par. Sorry. You know, and look that that's fair. You look at some of these states and they might produce the most talent in the world or the most talented guys in the world. But, you know, it, to your point, South Dakota is not Florida, California, even Ohio, right? You know, Ohio still has one of the richest like traditions of high school football. So I do agree with you there. I think we'll take him some time. But 
I've seen the tape. I've watched him play football, baseball, and basketball. He's a crazy athlete, so I wouldn't doubt him. But getting back to your sort of first what if here, I think that we both are in agreement that – let me pose it another way. What if Kyle McCord and or Devin Brown struggles? I think the answer from both of us is Ohio State struggles. But that sort of naturally leads into the second one that you threw out there as a what if. And I really liked this one. Again, it, it, it's a tie-in. This is going to make a lot of sense. So our second what if that we're going to dig into is what if the 2023 Ohio State defense performs like the 2021 Oklahoma State defense, a.k.a. the defense that landed Jim Knowles the real OSU job in the first place. As a reminder, that Oklahoma State defense finished the 2021 season fifth in total defense, ninth in scoring defense, and first in the nation in sacks. I think they may have also been first in tackles for loss. They had 18 different players register at least one sack that year and 19 players with at least two tackles for loss. So dominant defense, which had gotten better year over year. So what if the Buckeyes replicate some or all of those numbers or come up with similar stats? Chuck, I'll turn it back over to you. If they do that, they're even with bad quarterbacks, they're a nine-win team. If either of these guys is 80% of C.J. Stroud, they can win the national championship because that was such a glaring hole at the end of the year. And it wasn't for the first 11 games. It was they had their moments that they were really good. But those last two games of the year, they were so bad that it would it would just be a complete different. Like, think about they, they lost to Georgia by less than a field goal. Think if they could have made three more stops. It's a blowout because that offense wasn't getting stopped. So it's if they can do that, it's a completely different conversation about the first what if, because then they only have to be good, not great. Right now, until the defense proves otherwise, these guys have to be great for Ohio State to be even 10-2. and two. With a great defense, they could be okay, and they can run the table. Yeah, there's a lot of sliding glass doors here. First, I'll say this, though. <clears throat> if Ohio State finishes top nine in total defense, scoring defense, and sacks, I, I think I will be more excited for that than like a Kyle McCord or Julian Fleming Heisman, two guys that I have been on an island for because I miss when Ohio State's defense was awesome. I miss when it was 11 badass guys all across the board, front to back at every single position. I, this might sound crazy, I enjoy watching a lights out defense more so than like a high-flying 70-point offense because you can find those offenses. You don't have to look far, right? Whether it's in the Big Ten or another conference or in the NFL, everyone's scoring nowadays. And I, I love watching Ryan Day coached offenses. You know, I've enjoyed Dwayne Haskins, obviously, Justin Fields, C.J. Stroud, but I, I, I really get excited. I get up for for a defense that limits their opponents to like 13 points a game. You know, in Oklahoma State in 2021, they limited their opponents to 18 and some change per game. So <clears throat> if Ohio State finishes with a, a stout, stout defense like that, I think that the rest of the Big Ten and the rest of the country 
are in big trouble because their talent and their ceiling, Ohio State's, it's just in a different stratosphere compared to Oklahoma State. Like Oklahoma State still lost two games with this lights out defense because the talent's just not the same. Ohio State is head and shoulders above most of the other teams in the Big Ten. And so you give them a lights out defense. I think that everyone else is sort of in trouble because, you know, if the quarterback play does lag behind, then you've got the playmakers all over the field and you've got this defense sort of carrying them. The Buckeyes would essentially have to figure out how to score 19 points per game if they have that Ohio, that Oklahoma State average. And Ryan Day wakes up thinking about 30, how do we score 35, 42, 49, 56, right? Like he doesn't think about how are we going to put up 24 points this week. If that's all he has to do, then he probably hands everything over to Brian Hartline, like whatever. You could fail at this a little bit and we're going to be fine because our defense is only giving up 18 points per game. I'm not saying that's going to happen, but um, yeah, what if Ohio State's defense is just awesome across the board that I think Ohio State fans would be in for a, a hell of a year. And it's not just the points per game, right? It's the let's let's call some turnovers in uh, in plus territory and make this offense only have to go 35 yards instead of every damn drive CJ Stroud started was at the 25 because it was off of a score. Like yeah. give these guys a couple short fields, give them a strip sack that they only got to go 25 yards. Here's a crazy idea. Let's score a couple defensive touchdowns and, and yeah. actually help uh, give them like put them at ease because you got the lead for them and they don't have to go put up a 21 point lead and hope that you hold on in the fourth quarter for them. So I I would love it. It'd be fun to watch. And let, let's just uh, let's just say that right now we're, we're both uh, money's on is happening. <laughs> and, you know, I. You brought up change of possessions. I didn't write down like how many turnovers Oklahoma State caused in that season, but you're right. Like, imagine how lethal Ohio State's offense could be or could have. Like, let's take C.J. Stroud. Like you said, give him a bunch of short fields. Ohio State's probably averaging 50, 60 points per game last year. Um, start with some sacks. Uh, Ohio State couldn't get to the quarterback last year. That's what this Oklahoma State defense that we've talked about, that's what they were known for. They had, you know, gosh, I wish I wrote down the number and I didn't, but they finished first in the country in total sacks. They got after the quarterback constantly. And surprisingly, it wasn't just one or two guys. It was a bunch of guys. I think their leading sack um, performer was like right at 10 at 10.0. You know, we're like 10 on the dot as far as sacks goes. And it was another guy had nine, another guy had eight, another guy had six, and so on and so forth. So um, the other thing I'll say about this, I, I think the Buckeyes are capable of finishing as one of the top defenses across the board, despite what we saw at the end of last year, because statistically they weren't bad. They were really good for 10, 11 games, but they didn't get to the quarterback, didn't cause turnovers, and they didn't come to play against better opponents. But we've talked about this before. The talent is there. 
They've got guys that we think are going to be upgrades over the old guard, literally and figuratively. You know, guys who were five, six seasons in, especially across the defensive line and in the secondary, they just couldn't get it done. We think the talent's better. We think the talent's younger with a higher upside. And so uh, another thing that we brought up pertaining to the sacks, if the pass rush gets home, which was the calling card for that Oklahoma State defense, then I think it makes the entire defense that much better. And so if it starts up front and kind of cascades backwards, then I think Ohio State also has the potential to achieve this what if, if that makes sense. And it's it's a fair expectation. Like they, they paid this guy $2 million a year to come in here and do like, do this this is a fair what if the guy earns his paycheck (laughs) right you're you're coaching better talent like flat out that that's not an argument the talent you have on this defense is better than what you had the offenses in the big 10 aren't better than the offenses in the big 12 big 12 is an offense only league so the fact that he did it there is like mind-blowingly impressive now you got to do it here where defense is actually played some like let, let's let's be a big 10 team for one season. I just want to see it for one season. Yeah, we missed that, right? That's what um the the Halfley defenses were, you know, when the secondary was great. That's what um the Shiano defenses even were a little bit, right? Those are just sort of the recent ones. That is Big 10 defense, you're right. And uh, I, I long for those days again, even if it's, let's be realistic, because everyone scores. If they just, you know, they're holding teams to 24 points a game or something like that. Great. Awesome. It's about not giving up 100 to Michigan and Georgia at the end of the year. So that's uh, another what if. I sort of want to hit a break here, Chuck, because the next two, I think the last two that we're going to cover are sort of intertwined like these first two were. So I see you nodding your head. I think you agree. Chuck and I are going to come right back at at you with a couple more what-ifs right after we take this break. All right, welcome back, everybody, to Hang Out in the Holy Land, Land Grant's flagship podcast. I am Josh Dooley. With me is Chuck Holmes. And no more beating around the bush. We are going to get right back into the what ifs. What if is the theme on Land Grant Holy Land this week. And Chuck and I just sort of wanted to play off of that for this episode of the podcast. We covered quarterback play. We covered the new or hopefully new Ohio State, new and improved Ohio State defense. These next two what-if scenarios, very similar, um, and they involve coaching. So let's just get into the third one here. Chuck came up with this. I really liked it. I think it's super interesting to dissect. I didn't even take notes for this because I think we just go back and forth. He came up with, what if an NFL team offers Ryan Day a head coaching position? I can't really riff on the topic or the question much more than that. I think it's pretty straightforward. So again, I turn it over to you, Chuck. Start to answer your own question or or tell me what your thought process was here. So I think there's two ways you could look at this. And and we've actually, I brought this up previously when, uh, when we talked about would his job be in jeopardy if Michigan uh, was another loss 
And I said then, I don't think that his job would be in jeopardy, but I do think he would start looking potentially a little harder at an exit strategy. And the NFL teams that like they don't they don't care if you lose that game. Like they care that he was he built a program and they're winning a lot of football games. And frankly, if they were hiring him, they wouldn't hire him based on how his defense has performed. They would hire him and say, part of it would be who's going to be your defensive coordinator because it's not going to be Jim Knowles if the defense stinks. <laughs> yeah. But so and, and even in not in that scenario, say the Chargers, say Brandon Staley sucks again this year as a head coach. He's been terrible his first two years as a head coach. He's wasted Justin Herbert. Say they go eight and nine because he calls five bad timeouts and they lose three games because of it. You're telling me that Ryan Day would turn down an opportunity to go win a Super Bowl potentially with a, a Justin Herbert or say, God forbid, Andy Reid's really old and the Chiefs are and, and he says, hey, I, I need to step down for health reasons or Sean McDermott gets he gets burnt out or I mean, the, the possibility there, there have been really successful coaches that step down. In, in the NFL, it's the, the the league history is littered with it. If there's a good quarterback in place, if Zach Taylor says he wants to go back to uh, Nebraska and be uh, <laughs> Matt Rules, you're, you're drawing a blank because you're like, why would you go back to Nebraska? Uh, That's fair. I, I, don't, I don't know, but what he wouldn't turn down that opportunity. Like those are the opportunity. He, I think, win, lose, or draw, he could win a national championship this year, and I think he would. Uh, visit an opportunity to go take a all pro quarterback to uh, a Super Bowl. If he loses to Michigan, I think it gets real. And I don't think there has to be a real quarterback in place. I think if Justin Fields takes another half a step, it could be in play. He could end up in a Minnesota uh, if, if they flame out. Like I, I, I think that broadens his base. And honestly, I don't know what that like when I, I sent it, I literally did not have a solution for Ohio State. Like at that point, they're back to the well, like they were when they fired John Cooper. But even then, like Jim Trussell and Glenn Mason were Ohio State familiar, right? And Glenn Mason was the odds on favorite forever. Everybody thought he was coming down from Minnesota because he was a alum. But Trestwood still coached here. He was familiar with the program. He had pride in the program. There really isn't that guy out there right now. So they're going to go outside the family to hire Okay, if they lose to Michigan, Hartline's not getting the job. (laughs) You sort of read my mind. So if he... if they win the national championship and he rides out on his white horse, then yeah, you can get you can talk me into it. But if they go nine to ten and two, lose to Michigan and lose to Penn State, or even if it's eleven and one and get stomped in the playoff, like Hartline's not getting the job, not after a year. There's no way. Oh man, there's so much to unpack here. So what if I just say, what if I? What if I don't like this question? How about that? Because I just, no, like they, it, it's hey, it, it's going to be great for content. <laughs> We're going to have a pod a day for like a six week span. So hey, yeah, it's, it's job security, my friend. It, yeah. So what if Ryan Day is offered a head coaching position in the NFL? 
there's there really is so much to dig into and we don't have you know, this is not going on audible right this is not going to be a 10 part ebook or something like that so i'll just first of all he may be offered one way or another i agree with you there um i think that there are two ways or instances in which he considers it it's national championship or really poor season so i i I think you made a similar point so i think i agree with you again there because if ryan day goes or ohio state goes 11 and 1 in the regular season they lose a close fought game to a good team and then you know if they make the playoff and they compete but lose another close one. Like, if it plays out the way it did this year, I I think it eats at him. I don't think Ryan Day would consider it because he seems like a prideful guy. He coaches with a chip on his shoulder. And and I don't think he'd be like, no, it's not good enough for me personally that I got this close a handful of times. I think he would take another swing. But if one of the other scenarios happens where they win the national title or they have a really – you know, just a difficult year and people are calling for his job, then yeah, he probably considers it more so. I think that the NFL situation definitely comes into it. I think that he would want a strong foundation. Um, I'm just throwing out a random team, like say the Texans run it back again because they've just gone through guys, right? Even though CJ Stroud is there, if they had another dismal season and offered him, I think he'd be like, yeah, I, I, I don't know about that, even though my guy is there. I think he would want to walk into a strong foundation <clears throat> because he's proven himself at a, at a college level to an extent. Like um, Cliff Kingsbury a couple of years ago, I, I don't think he cared about really being picky. He was like, I sucked in college and you're still going to offer me an NFL job? Sure, I don't care. I, I don't care how cohesive the the Arizona Cardinals situation is I'll take it I don't care I don't think Ryan Day would do that so the the situation would have to be right and as far as quarterbacks go let me flip it back around to you real quick because you mentioned what if the Chargers job of it is available or the Chiefs God forbid what if the Cardinals position was open they went one and done, and the Cardinals have the first and second overall pick. Do you think that's good enough? Would he jump on that without a proven quarterback? Like, Because presumably Kayla Williams is going to be available. What if something like that happens? Damn you, that was my next point was <laughs> whoever has the number one pick. And if it's the Cardinals and they can get him and Harrison, one, two, like how do you – that's hard to pass up, especially if they – Here's $15 Go ahead. million. Here's $15 million a year. You get to uh they're they're saying this guy is a generational talent. I I, I don't see it. I think he's just a guy like every like he's really good. I don't think he's uh the best prospect since Andrew Luck, but people are saying he is. But that's three or four years you've got right there. They're not gonna fire you. They're gonna give you a chance. Like hell, they gave Kingsbury three years with Kyler, and he sucks. So they're they're going to give you three years in both instances, the coach and the quarterback. Right. So, absolutely, I I think that is just as viable as one of these guys that's already established. And the guy that's already established short piece, you got to win now. 
with with a Caleb Williams concept, you get three years, really. Yeah, there's just so much that goes into it, and it's. I think your what if is an unanswerable question, but probably one of the best that we've gone over thus far, just because of all the the butterfly effect that it could or could not have. Um, ultimately, to me, it boils down to though, like if one of those scenarios happens, Ohio State wins a national title or Ohio State takes a big step back, I think that's the only way that he considers it. But is, if Ryan Day is offered a head coach position, head coaching position in the NFL, I do think that he <clears throat> uh, thinks about it. And we could jump on the rest of that, but your next what if sort of ties in. So let's all let's hit it all together, right? So Chuck's last what if, football what if that he sort of threw out there is what if a Power Five school offers Brian Hartline a head coaching position. This plays into the Ryan Day one perfectly, so let's sort of lump those in together and, again, answer your own question, Chuck. Where are you going? What are you thinking? Like, there's, in my mind, if, say, the Ohio State goes and wins the national championship and Hartline was the play caller and they win the national championship, it's not going to be a Indiana that offers him this job. It's gonna be Penn State because James Franklin went six and six and they're tired of that. It's gonna be a North Carolina because Mac Brown retired. It's gonna be something like that. I I think he's gone. I think I think in that scenario he takes a a top twenty five job because he knows that. At that point, he probably knows that Ryan Day's not going anywhere, right? And if he isn't going anywhere, if our first question is out of the realm, or our previous question, I should say, then he's got to go somewhere and and be the man. Now, even if they're disappointing, I still think somebody like Indiana would take a chance on him because of the recruiting chops. Somebody like uh, NC State. Somebody like uh, uh, Oregon State, even though they had a good year and they're not looking, but somebody of that level would still take a chance that he could put a program together because he could recruit and he's got enough uh, connections having been in the NFL for seven or eight years that he could develop a coaching staff. Like he could put coaches together that have worked with him. So I, I think it's a distinct possibility that he's gone after this year and regardless of outcome come true. Yeah. I, I just think it's there. I, I think the offer is coming. Obviously Cincinnati tiptoed around it and they ended up making a terrible decision <laughs> to hire Scott Satterfield. Uh, but like he it's there and they're headed to the big 12. Like that's a power five job now. So it, it's coming like his recruiting chops by himself are going to get him a shot at, at some point. If Ryan Day gets on the phone with this uh, AD and says, yeah, he did or didn't call plays, even if he didn't call plays, he put the whole plan together for me while I handled my stupid coach's show and 12 press conferences and dealt with these parents and NIL for uh, 100 hours a week. So it's it's a big 
I, I think it, it's it's very possible, and I think he takes it and jumps, and your dream come true, Justin Fry gets promoted to offensive coordinator. Your last two what-ifs, though, put me in a, a, a bad mood because according to you, you know, one or both of these guys is gone. What if both happen? How, how mad or how mad is, is the Ohio State fan base going to be if both of them leave for greener pastures? That was not on our list, and I'm not going to dig into it except for, <clears throat> and I'm dead serious. What if both of these guys leave after the next, you know, the coming season? The answer is Urban Meyer comes back. Even though he has said that he won't, I'm telling you right now, he could be the only white knight that comes in and saves it. Let's watch this uh, this Florida documentary and make sure that he's hireable still afterwards. Fair. Yeah, but um, <clears throat> so in your opinion – it, it, or it sounds like you think Brian Hartline is or could be gone after the 2023 season regardless. Um, I think it's, in my opinion, it is absolutely within the realm of possibility, but I don't think it happens after this year. Um, only... Be- I don't know. Like, I'm sort of talking. Here's the thing. If Ohio State wins a national championship and Ryan Day stays, which sort of goes against the last one, then, yeah, I think Brian Hartline would be more inclined to be like, look, I did all I could here. I I love my alma mater. I love my university. But we we reached the mountaintop, and and I was very instrumental in that. I'm going to go run my own show. Absolutely. Absolutely. leaning towards I would lean towards that being a very strong possibility but if the season goes awry it doesn't go well for Ohio State I don't know like I think Brian Hartline really loves Ohio State I think he loves being a Buckeye coaching Buckeyes I think it means something to him so say it goes poorly and Ryan Day is retained I think Brian Hartline would want to continue to grow and help turn things around, even if it's one more year. If it goes poorly and Ryan Day is not retained or he le- chooses to leave you know, on his own uh, accord or of his own decision, then I do think Brian Hartline would be considered, and I think that he would be more than willing to step up or try to step up and do it. So I'm not willing to say that Brian Hartline is gone after one more season, um, it certainly would help him, I think, in his development and his progression to spend at least a little bit of time calling plays or being an offensive coordinator, but it's not a, a requirement. It's not a prerequisite for a school to offer you a job and maybe he takes it. But um, yeah, to answer your what if, I, I think that he gives it consideration, but I think that there are a lot of factors that go into play here, and I'm not willing to say that Brian Hartline is leaving Columbus in 2024 or you know shortly before or after the first of the year. So that's where I'm at. Uh, honestly, Chuck, like we've got another one, but it's sort of basketball related, and I think we, we hit on these ones pretty well, and I think there were a lot of good talking points 
I loved these. Again, kudos to Chuck. He sort of threw it all out there, came up with a lot of this content. So I've got to give it up to him. But I can tell, like, there's something in his eye. He's got something to give to me. And I don't know if it's, like, listener questions or what it is. I don't know if I'm going to like it. But that's the end of the what if. So I'm going to turn it back to Chuck because I know he's got something to say here. Yeah, I got we got three listener questions that were worth a damn. Yes. Uh, some of you guys right. are sick. Some of you guys are sick, <laughs> and and I I don't I can't even I can't even begin to think why you're thinking these kind of thoughts about two guys like us. It, it kind of goes. That'll be a sep- that'll right. be a separate pod, and I'll answer each and every yeah. one of them. We might have to put that on a pay per view. Like that's gonna have to go on like a Patreon or something. What, what, wait, wait, what are they called though? Premium live events? Is that what WWE calls them? Like we'll we'll call them PLEs or whatever. But yeah, anyway. Uh, so the the first one is from uh, from Caden. He wanted to know, and this again for you. This one's specifically for you. Now, this one at least I'd already answered this question. What non revenue or Olympic sport would you want to Ohio State to just financially back until it's a powerhouse, like I did with baseball? Um. Well, it's an Olympic sport, and they're still. Ohio State is somewhat big in this sort of arena, but for me, it's wrestling. You know, and, and I've written about this. I've covered Ohio State wrestling the last couple of years. Uh, Tom Ryan is a hell of a coach, and he's won a national title. Um, and, and the recruiting is still way up here. I'm miming, right? But they've taken a, a small step back just because it's so damn hard to compete with Penn State to compete with Iowa and the, you know, the big 10 in general is just a murderer's row. So I don't know what putting the money or the effort behind it would entail, but I, I want Ohio state to go absolutely all out when it comes to wrestling, going a little bit off the board a little bit. <sighs> I, I don't know that I have one because, and that might be a cop out, but Ohio state supports so many sports as is, they've got arguably or non-arguably the largest athletic department in all of you know the NCAA. So I think they do a good job with what they have and what they put their efforts behind. But what I would like to see more, sort of like passion and everything behind, is Ohio State wrestling. Uh, this this next question is from uh, listener Chuck. Why are you so wishy-washy about the previous question? <laughs> so you threw in a fourth, probably. No, you, you caught me off guard, or this listener caught me off guard. Baseball would have been the one, but you've been uber passionate about that, and I'm not as like up to or educated on Ohio State baseball as you are. Um, I'm familiar with it. You know, I know Nick Swisher. I know some of those guys. And I know they've fallen on sort of tougher times, but that would have been number two. You've just you've taken the corner on that one, so I'm not gonna fight you for it. Fair enough. This one, I'm going to uh, I'm going to paraphrase it because I'm going to turn it into a what if. Okay. It is, what if Josh and Chuck didn't go to Ohio State, but we met at uh, the College of Worcester? What what would this look like right now? And would would you, and would I, and I can answer this as well, do you think you would be as passionate about the university if you hadn't attended the university, I guess, is is the, the basis of it? So I'll answer the second part first. Would I have been as passionate about Ohio State? 
probably close to it, you know, just because I'm Columbus born and raised. And if they didn't, if I didn't get in and I was forced to go somewhere else, even if we're a good school, um, you know, Wooster or something like that, you don't mess with Ohio State or you don't compete with Ohio State football, right? When it comes to like, if you're from the area, some people want to be contrarians and root for Michigan or, you know, something like that. But for me, it's always been the Buckeyes. It's always been the Cincinnati Bengals. It's always been the Cincinnati Reds. Like, I don't want to be a contrarian. I love the teams that I grew up rooting for. So, I would be as passionate. To answer the first part of the much more loaded question, what if, you know, we had gone to, I'll use Wooster, I think we would have gotten in far less trouble. Um, no offense, we probably would have been like librarians or something like that. We picked a very sort of like, boring mundane job again in my opinion no offense um probably still been the best of friends but like there's just there's something about going to and living at ohio state with a best friend or with a group of friends like we may have had the greatest college experience in the world as far as we knew but it would have hailed in comparison to what we did lived and went through attending ohio state so um and i, I don't want that to be sappy because i don't have a sappy bone in my body but like the, the answer to what if is it wouldn't have been as good it wouldn't have been as fun it wouldn't have been as as enjoyable or memorable yeah you know the memories would have been you would we they would have been as plentiful but there just wouldn't have been as uh, eccentric, right? We wouldn't have had the opportunities yeah. to go and do things and go places and see things that, you know, as college students at Ohio State, like the opportunities are just there. Like there's always something to do. There's always, and it, it's for anybody, right? You can yeah. be a party or you can be a dancer. You can be uh, somebody who just wants to uh, dive into school. Like the, the, the possibilities are endless. And it was a fraction of what it is now. So I, I can't even imagine the experience the kids are, are enjoying now with Ohio State because of the improvements to the university. Like you talked about not getting uh, uh, accepted in the university. Like when we were coming in, they took everybody. Like <laughs> I, I remember applying to Ohio State, and I'm, I'm, I grew up in Cincinnati. I remember applying to Ohio State saying, okay, this is this is in. I'm here. Let's As I made my decision, Ohio State was a, a, a yes because they accepted everybody back then. Now they don't have to because everybody loves going to the university. Uh, the, the second part of it, I would not have been. I, I was a, a fan growing up, but I was not diehard. Uh, my, my fandom changed. Uh, it, it grew as a freshman. I did not get season tickets as a freshman because I didn't think sitting by myself would be something that I would enjoy. I was an idiot and I would have enjoyed the hell out of it in hindsight, my fandom. I, I, I'll, I'll never forget the first game I attended at, at, at the horseshoe. When you see the pageantry and the enthusiasm that that student, like we sat in South end zone, that South end zone was insane. And from then on, like I, I was hooked. So I wouldn't have been, uh, and I'm, I'm glad I attended because it, it gave me something that, that I wouldn't have had otherwise. That's a really good point because I was <clears throat> pre, pre-exposed. pre Like, I knew that pageantry, so to where you did, and that's why I was probably more inclined to always root for them regardless. But, yeah, you're right. Like, it's a life-changing experience 
if you're fam- like just sort of familiar with it and then you get to experience it and you're like holy shit you know like this is i i don't want to experience anything else or any other sort of school but uh which we did you know pageantry is good at some other places too but not for our teams so <laughs> <laughs> just for a weekend though that's a that's right. ever experienced so all was right. that the last one or did you have one more no. There Let's was, do it. Yeah, the, the one, in case anybody uh, didn't know, that was me. I didn't, uh, maybe, <laughs> maybe any there's guys out there that couldn't figure out that was me. All right, so, and th- this is back to college again. It's it's all about our experiences. People are living vicariously through our experiences 20 years ago. And I actually <laughs> Hey, 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 come on, come on. <laughs> I I had part of this conversation with my, my fellow uh, baseball coaches this weekend, and we were talking then about they were drinking yingling and we were talking about how it wasn't available in Ohio when we were in college and how it was the Holy grail. And now how I think it stinks. Like it's it's not, it's mediocre. It's okay. It's fine. But back then we like held it up on a pedestal. Uh, But the last question, and this one's from Patrick, it's, I wish ladies, we need some questions. Okay. Absolutely. It's ridiculous. Absolutely. We, we need some, I know we have ladies listeners, and I'm I'm sorry to the the lady listeners in South Dakota that maybe aren't gonna <laughs> send me one about how much you hate me. Ask something really bad about me, I'll answer it. I promise. Uh, beer or drink of choice uh, when you were in college versus now. Hold oh, on, hold on. I, I should say you're what you. I shouldn't say of choice back then because we didn't have a choice. Our money mm-hmm. was chose for us. What we drank back then versus your choice now that you can afford any almost anything. So I will say I, I didn't really discriminate in college, <laughs> but I, I'm going to go wild card here. It, it, it was whatever. Whatever was cheap, whatever I could get my hands on, whatever you know I could get with a fake ID. But I'm going to give you the the magic elixir that used to get Chuck and I going, and I know he's going to remember this. Okay, so and it, it was non-alcoholic, but most nights we went out, we would time it, <clears throat> and around eight or nine o'clock, we would have a five-hour energy. We didn't split it. We had a five-hour energy. And we knew that an hour or two later, right before we were getting ready to go out for the the night's festivities, we would then have a a monster energy drink. So that is a five-hour energy uh, and a monster two hours apart maybe before we go out and have you know a jaeger bomb or a vegas bomb or something like that which also has you know some energy drink components in, into it or something like that so um i didn't choose but i would recommend i would not recommend that magical elixir i just you know just for po- podcast fodder i wanted to throw that out there but now uh, I'm I'm dark liquor and dark beer. I will pay for a, a craft beer, Kentucky Bourbon Barrel. Um, shout out, you want to sponsor us? Have at it. I got you at my wedding, for goodness sakes, um, and, and ruined a lot of people's lives. But now it is a, a dark craft beer and, and a dark, you know, probably bourbon, whiskey, scotch, something like that, because I've grown up and. 
look, not to make light of it, but, you know, I'm very uh, choosy now. It's special occasions. It's only weekends, stuff like that. So I, I'm not trying to spread that dollar across seven nights. Chuck, what about you? So I, I kind of had like a list of how it went. You know, Natty Light was the go-to, right? Unfortunately, and by default, yes. When we had a couple extra dollars, we would drink Miller High Life. Mm-hmm. The champagne of beers. We, yeah, when we really wanted to get messed up, we would drink Natty Ice. Oh, Anthony Braun, if you're listening, that was the that was a friend of ours who sprinkled it in. Uh, oh man, Natty Ice was a rough one, but yeah, that was uh, for the uh, the pristine occasions, I guess. And then if we wanted to go hard liquor. It was the 110 proof vodka that we would buy at the liquor store at 5th and 4th, where we Mm -hmm. weren't welcome, but we didn't (laughs) care. $9 for for a 5th of 110 proof vodka. It could could start a car, and somehow (laughs) we were never hung over the next morning. I I think it did start your Chevy Cavalier at some point. (laughs) It might have. And if we had a few extra bucks and we were drinking liquor, it was Tangeray Vodka. We didn't go to gin. Gin made all of us sick, but Tangeray made a great, un, unbeknownst to anybody, very affordable, very smooth. And well, there were a couple. Were there was um, there was one more when we thought we were uh, living the hip hop lifestyle, and that was Hypnotic. Um, oh, oh yes, I for, I forgot about Hypno. That's oh, if we were feeling the hip hop lifestyle. The best part about Hypno is we never needed cups because we just drank straight out of the bottom to three and that's how you know and and had no problem folks that's how you know that chuck and i could get along with anyone and we had eclectic friend group friend groups is you know it was it was natty light it was hypnotic uh and it was legitimately everything in between so um Man, I, I'm glad you brought that. I'm glad we remember all of that still, but I had to think about it for a second, and I'm going to change my answer or give you an actual definitive answer. My favorite drink of choice in college was the beer could have varied, but a mug from Outer Inn. That was my favorite. We didn't go to Outer Inn every single week. But it was that was my favorite mug night. I just think they did it better. It tasted a little bit better across from PJs. So that was my one. The, the beer may have varied. The, the potion may have varied, but it was whatever I could get in a mug at Outer Inn. That's my final answer. See, I was going to answer it much differently for you. For you, I thought your answer was going to be whatever was free or whatever I bought because you were such a cheap <laughs> ass back then. <laughs> That is, uh, that's one B. That's one B. Yeah, but for sure. We we would go to Outer End. You'd be like, I, I, you got me tonight, bro. It's a dollar. You don't have you, you don't have a dollar. You got five spot. You'll be hammered. Like my God, oh, I, 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 I don't have it tonight, man. I got it. I got you on Tuesday. No, you don't. <laughs> to change the subject a little bit, though, somebody you know, I heard one time that like a true friend does not count IOUs or come up with IOUs of less than $10. So 
you know, I just figured if I kept it under $10, you would be a, a mensch, you would be a gentleman, um, and you would not come calling back for that, but I guess you don't play by the same rules. Well, I sent an invoice. Yes. <laughs> so I have your people. Have, this isn't dumb and dumber. <laughs> this isn't dumb and dumber. I'm not handing you the IOU for the Ferrari. You're going to want to keep this one. Yeah. Have your people call my people for the, uh, the back taxes, the back funds, but... I, those were really great questions. Those were fun questions to answer. Becoming slowly becoming my favorite part of the podcast. So, if you've sent anything in or you've tried to get in touch with us, please do continue to send those in. I love the questions. We love the questions. And this was a really fun episode. But we're gonna wrap it up. Let's not keep you guys here too long. Um, you know. Before I sign off, Chuck, did we miss anything? Or am I good to bring this thing home? Uh, if we did, uh, they didn't want to hear it anyway. Fair enough. Um, that's going to do it for this episode of the podcast, guys. From Chuck Holmes, I am Josh Dooley. Thank you for listening. Thank you for following us, trying to get in touch with us on social media. Please continue to do so. Uh, check out all the What If Theme Week content on Land Grant this week. And please remember to like, rate, review, and subscribe to this pod, your favorite pod. For Chuck, I'm Josh. As always, go Bucks.